Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Welcome to another edition of the Out of the Question podcast. And today I have an unusual format because my guest is mobile. Bill Evans is a truck driver, and he is someone who gained the moniker, the truck driver theologian. And my question is, what can a truck driver teach us about networking in the Christian community? So, Bill, thanks for joining me somewhere en route from one destination to another. Thanks for having me. I'm looking across uh, Long Island Sound over from Connecticut and uh, en route to Florida. And um, so it's a pleasure to be with you. All right. So some people might say, wow, she, she had to go out and talk to a truck driver. And I think truck drivers can be stereotyped like lots of professions can be stereotyped. But the expression is you don't and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, although we all tend to. So give a little bit about your background, Bill, and how you ended up being a truck driver interested in theology and interested in networking among Christians. Well, I first was exposed to the gospel while I was a navigational officer in the Navy and uh, was involved in the navigators, which taught me a great deal about the importance of building relationships as far as discipling. That's sort of their, their uh, nom de guerre is, is that they are big into one-on-one discipleship. And, uh, and so I learned a lot about the importance of building friendships and relationships and accountability while I was in the military and uh, got out of the military, went to for a few years, took a trip out, went to the Wild West, and and um, eventually I got married and then moved back and, and began, uh, went to the University of Missouri, I majored in philosophy and business, and uh, was recruited by United Parcel Service. I was married, had two children, member of a PCA church, subsequently was, was divorced, uh, my children moved west, uh, but I during that time, I had already, I had already, uh, had become intrigued in with the Reformed faith soteriologically. I didn't necessarily know, I didn't have an awareness of, of how important, you know, eschatology was. I, you know, I was mainly fixated on Calvinism, you know, the, 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 the doctrine of salvation. Uh, but, but over time, and I went to seminary for a while, studied Greek and systematic theology. And uh, it was only many years later, after I worked in corporate America, off and on, in uh, sales management, training, engineering, uh, building teams, uh, worked in network marketing for a number of years and had some success in that industry. So you naturally learn a lot about networking. The idea that you, um, you know, the idea is not to do the work of 10 people, but to train 10 people to do the work. I was a, you know, I'd been a, I'd been a trainer and a team leader at UPS and then in sales management. So, um, you know, when I came to truck driving, I didn't come as a, a blank slate. You know, I had life experiences that were 
that picked up along the way. And, uh, and, and oftentimes a lot of the, uh, no, no one of those backgrounds provided me all the tools that I needed, but they provided me, uh, bits and pieces to fill up my toolbox, so, so to speak. So I, I, when I came to, uh, the position that we refer to as a faith for all of life for this community, people that have come to know, uh, I, I basically had retired from corporate America and I was 50 and had, didn't really know what else I could do at my age. Um, you know, I had certainly spent my, my time in the wilderness and learned a lot of spiritual lessons, um, had been disciplined by the Lord, but I came to truck driving really just sort of not knowing much about it, never having had, really a great desire to do it but at my age i really didn't know what else was available to me because mm-hmm. i was at the age when people generally get right-sized out of middle management or upper management because they can replace me with two or three college students right. and uh for ha- for the for the price so i started driving a truck about uh, 17 years ago and I- i'm sort of atypical because um i really don't have a a although i have you know, a physical address, you know, I get mail and or I technically my domicile, uh, I, I live on the road and I own my own truck and we basically were self-contained. I, you know, um, I have my library, my, my arsenal, my wardrobe, such as it is, mm-hmm. uh, everything that I need for, you know, to sustain life on the road, refrigerator, freezer, kitchen. And don't forget facility. your dog. Don't forget your dog. He's no, your partner. He's, 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 He's a rock star, Ruger, the road dog. Uh, I have a 75-pound red-nosed pit bull who everybody loves. Me, not so much, but everybody loves Ruger. Mm-hmm. He's, a very, he's, he's quite a social animal. It's very easy to assume when you see somebody in a particular profession, and let, we'll take truck driving, um, how many people would assume that the average truck driver has a past, he's got interests, he's got um a body of life experience. And I think we tend to pigeonhole people, even though we might not think we do. But um, I remember when I first um, got to know you, I I was sort of amazed at your depth of knowledge theologically, uh, the fact that you could argue theological points. And I guess the thing that and, and makes me most interested in sharing your story with people is that you took the occupation that you just described you fell into because you didn't know what else to do, but you didn't divorce who you are from what you were doing. And I think most people who know you would say, oh, Bill Evans, he's the guy that knows everybody <laughs> because you go all over the country and you end up seeking out fellow believers. Yeah, that was the, it, it, it occurred to me, you know, for, let me go back to something you just said there. You know, scripture tells us that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And by might, I, I take that to include your physical might, your mental might, your spiritual might. And so, yes, you're going to bring all of the tools that God, by his grace, has enabled you to accumulate over the years from all your various different life experiences. We bring that to bear. So, um, uh, all of us come to the, to the battle armed with different gifts, abilities, different tools, if you will, different life experiences that equip us uniquely to fill the role in building his kingdom that God would have us to do. It just so happens. And, and, and incidentally, I was always very, I would say my personality, 
most people would describe me as being very sanguine. In other words, I always was, I was, I, I've never been a dead end of truth. Whatever I was excited about, I just, I was just hardwired to try to get other people excited about it. So I was a natural conduit for information, whether that was theological information or health information or, 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 or history or whatever it was that I was, was learning about. Uh, I just naturally, you know, and I, and that's become sort of my modus operandi is not being a dead end truth. Uh, it doesn't matter what we know. If it stops with us, uh, that's sort of self-defeating. So uh, we have to be a conduit and um, you have to, and, and I see my, my role in the body of Christ as being something of a bridge. You know, um, I, that's why I talk to people of variety of different backgrounds. People say, not only does he know everybody, but he talks to everybody. I'll talk to people who would, may not talk to one another, but by talking and building and getting to know what their concerns are and what they're saying and what they're, more importantly, probably what they're not saying. I, it, it provides an ability that I can sort of link people up. And I oftentimes say, nobody really needs to know me, but they probably need to know somebody that I know. And so it's, it's, it's a great joy for me personally when I can put people uh, in one occupation or one specialty in touch with a person who has another role in the kingdom who needs to know somebody with that specialty. And so I've been able, I've been blessed to be able to do that a number of times and it comes really naturally. Of course, that is again, because of my background in building teams and in network marketing and other things that I've done in sales, uh, where you use the art of persuasion as it were. Uh, and, and, um, so it, 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 it comes very naturally to me. And it occurred to me a number of years ago that I was, I had begun to accumulate Facebook friends, you know, people who were friends of friends or people who obviously had shared interests, but they didn't know each other. And as I was traveling around the country, uh, it occurred to me, wouldn't it be great if I could stop in and, and meet this person and talk face to face? Because again, going back to my early training in the Navy and with the navigators, I realized that, that accountability and building relationships and uh, trust with people is implicit in building teams and uh, none of us can build the kingdom by ourselves. We, we're, you know, and so I, I see myself as just sort of a, a go-between sort of a, uh, a courier of taking right. information and, and greetings and, and uh, much as you imagine, you know, when you read the epistles, they always start out with a greeting to the people to whom it's being delivered. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a blessing for me. I've been the benefit. I've been the greater beneficiary, to be sure. Right. Well, funny story. I was talking to one of the women who attends one of my online classes, and she happens to be in the UK. And I mentioned to her that I was going to be talking to you and doing um, a podcast. But I said, "Yeah, I'm going to be talking to somebody. Um, he actually is a truck driver." And she said, "What is his name?" And I told her, and she said, "Oh, yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook." And I'm like, "Wow, this truck driver knows people." in Europe. <laughs> so you are pretty well known, but it's not just limited um, your ministry. You actually have a lot of interaction with other truck drivers. Tell, tell a little bit about that. Well, you know, I work in a mission field, 
course, the whole world is a mission field. And uh, you know, now, admittedly, people live under the gun. They live by the clock out here. People have places to go and people to see. And so the opportunities are not quite as abundant to, to talk one-on-one to, let's say, share the gospel or to build up people. But happily, uh, if you've got things that are interested in and you can exchange a, a business card or a track or get a phone number or an email address, I mean, God has given us these wonderful tools of dominion to reach out and stay in contact with people. And, and frankly, most of the time, it, it, it goes without being done, not because it's difficult, but because it's just easy to get forgotten. And so if you're not, if you're not, if you're not conscious, if you're not consciously concerned with building, not, not building the follower base or anything like I want to be have people following or as though they're my fans, but um, you know, all day long I'm driving and I have the ability that while I'm driving, I can reach out and talk to people. You know, I can use Facebook messenger or, or uh, a gab or, or the phone or email or text messaging, whatever. And, uh, and when I, when I'm driving along and someone comes to my mind, uh, I, I take that as the Lord and uh, leading me, pushing me in that direction. And I'll just give them a call and, and check in. And it, 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 and it seems apparent from people's reaction that they're not really accustomed to having people uh, chasing them, as you will, you know, to build a relationship with them, to, to check in on them, see how they're doing, to ask, you know, what's, what's on their radar, what's, what's happening in their fishbowl. And, uh, everybody is so self-absorbed and consumed with themselves. Um, it, people seem like they're actually sort of surprised that anybody cares. But so I think there's a, a great need for people just to be a son of encouragement, just to reach out to people you may not do it with, you know, the whole universe. You can pick 20 people that are sort of in your, in your Rolodex, so to speak, your mental Rolodex. And you just, from time to time, you, you reach out and you just, you throw a log on the fire to keep right. that fire burning and, and, and to build trust. And to, it not only does it fuel your prayer furnace because you get prayer requests and you, you know how to pray for them, but it also reminds them of you. And so they pray for you. And so part of it, is self-serving. I get I, probably my standard answer when people say, how are you doing? I say much better than I deserve. And it's probably, and I oftentimes say that when I go to be with the Lord, I'm probably going to discover how much more I benefited from the prayers of God's people than I did my own. You know, my goal is to have a lot of people praying for me. You bring up a point that I think is important. Uh, yes, we have technology that allows us to span the continents. It allows us to be in touch with people. We can do podcasts. We can, you know, send pictures of our loved ones on Facebook or other social media. But there is something to be said for personal contact and keeping people in your prayers. Now, I think a lot of people got lazy in this regard when things weren't locked down and they could go to their favorite coffee shop. They could go to church. They were going to school. Now, with prohibitions against contact, people probably need it more than ever. And so I think it's a good plan of action that when somebody does come to mind, because that happens to me as well, 
And you think, well, you know, if I dreamt about this person last night, or if I just started thinking about the person, maybe I should contact that person and just say hello. Right. Give you an example. You know, I, I uh, happily because I don't, I don't have any indebtedness. I don't own a home. I don't own an automobile. I own my truck and the things in my truck. And uh, happily, because of that, I've benefited a great deal from the, 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 the means of grace that comes through being generous. You know, uh, Scripture talks about how God, you know, blesses the, the man who's generous or God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm driving down the road and I get the, just a, kind of out of the blue, I get this thought that I need to send somebody some money. Well, I don't take that to be a prompting from the evil one. You know, why would the evil one prompt me to send money to, you know, a believer in Uganda or, or someone that I know has been, uh, you know, having difficulties because of the lockdowns and business that has been adversely affected. So, uh, you know, learning just to listen to the Holy Spirit or what I take to be the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Without saying it, I think it stands to reason that the Holy Spirit is invited into our minds to to cause us to think about the things that we think about, and that's and that's providential. It's not just happenstance. And uh, so I try to I try to use those inclinations uh, to reach out and to, to see if there's some way I can serve that brother and hopefully build. Not, not that I'm trying to build an alliance or anyone to to follow me, but just to serve and and uh, and it's amazing how many opportunities people that that um, you know. And I started, I had a podcast for a few years, and that was helpful because the the, the mo of the podcast was basically to interview uh, you know centers of influence, people who were uh, um, you know pastors and authors and theologians, and so people that I would never have gotten to know otherwise I've gotten to, be, to become rather close and I hope trusted friends. And, and so it's, it's wonderful to know that if I've got a theological problem, I can, I can call up a Martin Salbrady or a George Grant or an RC Sproul or somebody like that. And that they'll take my call, not as, you know, not as an intrusion, but as a, a you know, a phone call from a friend. And so, right. So maybe I'm just a professional friend. That's what I, maybe that, maybe that's my, maybe that would be properly my job description. You explained to me that, uh, you know, you're hauling loads various places, but then there's the time when you're not, and you have a whole library that goes with you wherever you go. And you actually do spend time in study enough to have questions that you might have to call up a Martin Salbretti or a George Grant. Right. And not only that, but I, you know, but I can have, I have brothers and sisters, brothers mainly. I'm, I'm being a single man. I, I, you know, I basically um, limit most of my social interaction or fellowship to obviously to other men, unless it's a sister and, you know, is married and her husband is also party to the discussion. But yeah, I can actually have Bible studies. You know, you can have Bible studies over the phone with your, with your buddies. And talk about a topic, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, whether it's Christology or eschatology or theonomy or, you know, how these things impact. Of course, truck driving, I, you know, I live in the real world. I live in a gritty world. And so uh, naturally, I'm, you know, I always thought the idea of practical theology was sort of uh, 
it was sort of a redundancy because of course theology is supposed to be practical. It, 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 it you know, you bring it, it it's where the, it's, your theology is where your rubber meets the road. And, and, you know, I learned it as a young Christian, if you want to know what I really believe, look at how I live. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but the, but the main thing I think I've gathered in the last, it's been my passion for the last, oh, six or eight years is the fact that we, that everything we do, whether it's church related or, are vocationally related or rec- recreation, everything has to be related to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's, so I would say that has been my, my passion. In fact, that's the name of my company is kingdom driven LLC. And, 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 and so for me, everything relates to Christ's victory in time and space over his enemies, saving rebels like myself from darkness and enlisting them into his kingdom which means into his service. Right. And that's my passion. And your background, the valleys and the peaks, allow you to talk to people with similar experiences. I know that's true. Um, I've often said that the gang member who comes out of the gang, once he's solid in his faith, understands things about the gang that the non-gang member won't. Or someone like myself who spent a good amount of time in a cult understands things about that cult that someone else wouldn't. So our experiences should never be viewed as things that um, should be covered over. We should use them to the glory of God. Yeah, my, my knowledge of total depravity is not theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I would like to point out something you said about not being in debt and endeavoring to be generous. Well, the scripture gives us guidelines in terms of tithes, that are, that's our tax that we're responsible to pay to God, and then, then things over and above that are our offerings, and that we're supposed to use the provisions God gives us to take care of widows and orphans and, and help the body. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast with Calcedon Vice President Martin Salbretti, and he was talking about a book that he had written a forward to called Health for All of Life. And we discussed um, that there is a website, healthforalloflife.com. Well, if people didn't know it, they're going to know it now, that it was you who funded the book and maintains and funds the website and put together a lot of the people who participated and I'm saying that because I know a lot of people after listening to the podcast went out and bought the book. But the point I'm making is I'm not sure that people are correct in limiting what they can do with their resources if they pursue their passions and then help people get the message out, which you did with the author, Dr. Jason Garwood. Right. I, it was an amazing uh, work of providence where uh, I had received, I had begun getting emails with this health-related, life-saving information from uh, an elder friend of mine who'd been my closest friend, has been my closest friend for almost 40 years, who was a former medical professional, and he was researching this and vetting it. And he began assembling it into a part of a module of his his Faith for All of Life discipleship program, uh, uh, you know, that dealt with the physical body and how Health is a matter of taking 
of, of, of uh, responsible self-government. You know, most people know more about their automobile or their iPhone than they know about their own body. <laughs> and, um, and, there's no, and, and certainly there's no more tyranny that's more oppressive and closer to home than medical tyranny. And so God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, we're told by Peter, the, the Holy Spirit through Peter. And I take that to mean both spirit and body. And, um, and, and so, and truly, it's, there's, I don't think there's any area where God's people perish for lack of knowledge more than in the area of physical health. So uh, as this information was given to me uh, by a friend who loved me and wanted me to be, in, you know, be healthy so I could stay in the fight, because as it says, the tagline of the website is, doesn't matter how gifted or godly you are, when you're sick, you're out of the fight. And so I thought, well, this is great, but he's doing this for me. He's offering this to me in a three-ring binder. And we don't want to be a dead end of truth. We want to get this hand, this information into the hands of more people. And so I took the information that he was sending to me and I created a website on my iPhone one night. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, it's still there. It's healthforallflife.com. It's unapologetically Christ centered and kingdom driven, but it contains a lot of practical information that can help people, uh, uh in for, be healthy in body and soul. And of course the, the last, module of the of the website deals with the gospel of the kingdom and we have people like rc sproul and and uh, jeff durbin and others and bishal mongolati and paul watcher and rosaria butterfield and other uh uh, uh people speaking into the their people's lives about the gospel and we've got hymns and and all sorts of spiritual tools on the last part of it but then one night i got the idea that we really need to get this into a book and uh, I knew that uh, Jason had, I had paid Jason to do some audio books a few years ago. I had uh, interviewed a man who's a pastor in Ukraine who is very prolific, written over 300 books, and uh, his book on the kingdom and on the, on, on, uh, the ecclesiology as its, impact, as its impact on the kingdom. I promised him after the interview that I would produce audio book of those two particular books in English. And... Um, so I paid Jason to do it. I knew Jason was, was a bivocational pastor at a growing family and had needs. And so I paid Jason to do the audio books and he had done such a great job. I said, you know, I know that he's written some books already. And so one night I, call, I texted him about 11 o'clock on a Friday evening and said, how would you like to write a book on uh, natural health from my website that we created? And I'll pay you some of them. I gave him an explicit sum of money. And about the unbeknownst to me at that same time, he was headed back from Washington where he'd been in a natural health rally. And he told his companion, I wish the Lord would provide a benefactor just to pay me X number of dollars to write a book on this. I didn't know that. It was just God's providence that we both were thinking the exact same thing at the approximately the same moment. And so it became very clear that this was something that we should do. And, uh, and it's been successful. We've been able to get this hand, this book into the hands of, of a lot of people, not only Christians who need it, but, but non-believing health practitioners who need to realize that, this, that the gospel of the kingdom is providing the, the foundation for everything that they're doing. And right. they, they don't, they're doing the right thing and not understanding why they're doing the right thing. And this provides them that. Uh, since that time, we're, uh, you know, we're promoting the book uh, through some other mediums, and, I, and I'm blessed to be able to fund that. And also, we're producing two different books on completely unrelated 
topic. So when I think when I'm thinking about a topic that I don't think is being covered or information that's not being promoted, then I've sort of taken it upon myself to take the the resources that God has been so gracious to provide me to make those things happen and and uh, and to. And rather than me try to do it myself and my bits and pieces of the time that I have on the road, I, I know plenty of, of good men and women who, who need, who need the resources and who have the talent and the, and the depth of knowledge and the, and the calling to do it. And so I'm able to produce other works and we've got two other works. Hopefully that'll be done um, this spring. Very good. Let me just go back to something that you said. And I think this is important. Um, The book has a two-pronged benefit. You can take people who are into natural health, who are into understanding that our bodies were made to be able to heal themselves if, in fact, they get, we get sick. And so people are going to be drawn to this topic that way. But you also mm-hmm. have a heart for Christians who, in a lot of cases, will embrace the idea that we should be faithful to the Word of God, but have never connected it to their own health, what they eat, how they, whether they exercise or not, etc. And one of the things I was very impressed with is when I actually got the book myself. Obviously, I knew who Martin Selbretti was because I'm affiliated with Calcedon. And but the number of people who endorsed the book, sometimes that's harder than putting together a book, but you have a wide range of people who said, this is an important book. I'm glad this book was written. So I think that for me, when you take what you're interested in and then you pursue it wholeheartedly, and obviously getting all those endorsements had something to do with your experience networking and and finding ways to reach people and be persistent, that I would like, aside from people becoming aware of this body of information, Health for All of Life, I hope it would inspire them to say that they're not as they're not as ill-equipped or unable to do things for the kingdom, that really your story says who are you, what your experiences are, and then take what you have and apply that. Yeah, we, we, we can do more than we think we can do. I, I, uh, I, I, I reflect and I've shared often, you know, the, the story of, uh, uh, of the great uh, English missionary, William Carey, who was trained as a, basically as a cobbler, uh, had no language training, no, no theological training, although he was obviously a student of the Bible. But uh, here's a man who said, let's attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. And he translated the Bible into all our portions of over 20 languages in the subcontinent of India. And and Vishal Mangawadi, no less than Vishal Mangawadi, a preeminent Christian Indian scholar, says that William Carey is the patron saint of modern India, that that the, the, the Christian worldview. Uh, faith for all of life is what produced modern India through a man who had seemingly no worldly training to do what God raised him up to do. And so, uh, you know, if William Carey can do what he did, then we, what, you know, as George Grant likes to say, quoting Thomas Chalmers, whatever your, whatever your, uh, your goals are, whatever your, the bar is that you've set, whatever your vision is, it's too small. That's a good way to look at it. And I think that especially those who have 
made use of Calcedon's resources, Dr. Rushduni's writings, the, the resources that are available will help you be more effective in your kingdom work. And then once you have an appreciation for the orientation of faith for all of life, you can go beyond, and I always encourage people to go beyond Dr. Rushduni's writings or lectures, and then start exploring some of the people he footnotes or he references in terms of having true equipping abilities that when you find yourself in a situation that you have a way to either address whatever people are talking about or connect people to those who can. Well, and and I'll say this too as a disclaimer, I'm not a great scholar in the sense that I've read volumously from Rush Dooney or Bonson or North or any, uh, or anybody else for that matter, except from the word of God. But I have, but I, the way my brain functions, I've always been somewhat skilled in the ability of correlating facts. And so if I could get a couple of gold nuggets and, and stretch the line between them, in other words, connecting the dots and then backfilling, I found out that even though I had not read nearly as voluminously on, from some of these brilliant uh, authors as, as others, uh, if I could get sort of the main propositions and then I began to just backfill the information by meditating on it, it, a lot of the blank area, the white space between the letters got filled in for me. And, and, and then I could also augment that by bouncing questions off of other people who had read more than I had. So uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a natural scholar. I don't tend to read books from start to finish. I tend to be reading in three or four or five books at the same time, and I'll bounce back and forth. And then it's kind of like, you know, a cow. He picks up a mouth of grass, he swallows it, and then he brings it up from one stomach, and he puts it in another stomach, and he ruminates on it. He basically you know, chews the cud and to extract it. So a lot of things, uh, you don't, they don't become crystal clear all at one time. You, you, you meditate on the word and you ruminate on it. And, uh, over, over time, the picture begins to become clearer and clearer by degrees. And so after a period of a few years, then you have a fairly good understanding of it. That, in fact, let me say, going back to the health for all of life book, really one of the things that really, I began to really, again, was the spark plug for my interest in writing that book is that so many people in the medical community don't challenge, and I would even say among many Christians who are enslaved to the allopathic medical mafia model, is they, they, they're very good, but they espouse presuppositional apologetics. So they're very good at questioning the apolog- you know, the, the presuppositional foundations uh, and premises of their opponents when it's an atheist or a, or a so-called uh, a so-called atheist or evolutionist, but they're not always. We're always good at at, at at critiquing the presuppositions of our opponents, but we're not always very good at at questioning our own presuppositions. And so it amazed me that 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 pastors. Uh, who uh, were quite gifted exegetes of the Word of God, uh, go to their church and visit and go to the bulletin, the last page of the bulletin, was full of prayer requests for people who were sick. And I'd say, well, what do you have to say to these people? 
it's like, well, we don't have anything to say to physical health. We just hope they, we just pray that they have the gut, that the Lord gives their doctors skill and that they have good health insurance. I said, that's, I said, you're not even challenging the presuppositions of the medical metal, medical model, which basically posits that we're just evolved meat bags. I said, how can you take, how can you build a strong house on a foundation like that? Mm-hmm. And so it was really, uh, I think the, the, the strength of the book and then Jason being a thoroughly presuppositional kingdom minded pastor, I think what he does a really good job of is, is wrapping the science of physical health from a holistic perspective, ma- namely that you treat the, you treat the body as though we, as the way we profess it to be fearfully and wonderfully made. And you wrap that in the gospel of the kingdom. And, and so I think in that respect, that book is, 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 is both a book about health and a book about worldview. And, um, and in that respect, I'd say it's, it, it, it's, a, it's unlike any other book that I'm aware of. And I think that's why it's so well-received. I've had people say to me, um, after hearing the podcast, I went and got the book. But really, now I spend my evenings going through that website because um, it's months if if you went through every single entry, video, audio, um, you'd be spending months on that website. And I think it's the kind of thing that when you equip people, they also then have evangelistic opportunities. So if your neighbor is suffering from, you know, I found out that I might have diabetes and, and you can at least share with your neighbor things that she might be able to do to make it so that her pancreas keeps working. It's, it's an entryway into people's lives and health is certainly, especially with Corona and discussion about vaccines, the more you know, the more opportunities you can seize to share the truth of the gospel and the kingdom with people. Yeah. And let me give your listeners a helpful tip in how to do that as well. You know, there's an old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. We're not looking for happenstance or accidental uh, uh, meetings. We're looking for providential encounters. We're looking for God to lead us to people who are ready to receive the word. And not everybody who's lost, dead in transgressions and sins, is prepared to hear the gospel of grace. But God has prepared some people. And so we ask God to lead us to those people. And when you run in, and everywhere you go, you're surrounded by sick people. And they don't all want to be believers, but they all want to be well. And you, you can pretty well take that to the bank. But, but you have to, because people are are, are, are bound up and they're, and they're committed to their worldview and their presuppositions, you have to ask them. And this is the way I've had to learn how to pose the question. Uh, you know, telling ain't selling. You have to ask questions. And so I will simply ask if I've got a, for a guy run across and I see a guy, you know, limping and I say, well, what's the problem there? And he says, well, I've got this and that and the other. And I said, well, if I could introduce you to a, a physician, a medical professional who could possibly help you with that, would you be interested in looking at a video? And he says, yeah. You know, then, then, I, then I know that he's open. At least he's expressing an openness to hear, to receive the message that I have for him. And remembering that I'm not the message. I'm just the messenger, you know. Right. And so I want to point them to the experts. And healthforalloflife.com is virtually an online medical center. We actually refer to the people whose videos and lectures we have posted on there as our faculty. Because they're the experts. We're just, we're just asking people, would you be interested 
in listening to a medical professional who has been successful in treating other people with that same condition. And if they say yes, then bingo, you've got an opportunity. And when they go to that website, they're going to, they, they will not be able to escape the gospel because the website is permeated with Christ and his gospel. Right. So I would like to comment on something you said about how to engage people. I had to learn this back when my two daughters were um, in high school and below. They participated in golf tournaments. They were both junior golfers. And it was customary as we would, because they couldn't drive themselves, to take them to tournaments. And those tournaments lasted a long time. So they're in a group of four people. You're walking around with one or more of the parents of the other girls in the group. And I learned how to ask questions, like you said, and then listen. And then listen long enough to be able to have a sense of where the person is coming from. So if you you, you pointed out health, if a person is sick and you ask questions, but you kind of get the idea this person sort of likes being sick because there's this advantage to them to being sick. Well, you would approach that person differently. But the key is not waiting for people to come to you, but as you are around people, show and be interested in people. I, I had nothing to sell when I was talking to these people, except maybe to get them to consider God's word as something should govern their life. But it took a while to build that up. And, and you sort of made reference to that before that, you know, sometimes you just have an opportunity to hand somebody a card or whatever. But I've had people who then remembered our conversation and got in touch with me. And so it becomes an adventure for me, every, whether it's in the grocery store or whether I'm waiting in line for something at the bank not to be unwilling to engage people because you just never know if it's one of those divine appointments that God has set up. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at social media as merely a, a, a sounding board for us to bloviate just to, you know, us to share our opinions on everything for the world. But I think most people, probably all of us fail to capture the full capabilities of the tools that God has given us to use them to full advantage. Uh, as to, to, to minister to other people, not just to spout off what we think about something, but to literally minister to people and to provoke them and open people up to begin to build trust and build bridges and build relationships. And it seems, it, you know, and, and going back to the earlier example, you know, I've, I, I've got a, I've, I have a, I know a pastor whose wife contracted uh, breast cancer and, um, and um, we asked him, I said, uh, and I've known this guy for, since he was in seminary. And I said, listen, uh, if we could, uh, if we could uh, introduce you just to some lectures by a, a world-renowned doctor who has helped women uh, overcome breast cancer without the chemotherapy and the radiation and the radical mastectomies, would you be interested? And, he, and this is a reformed pastor. And he said, no, no, we've got our doctor. We're happy. We're satisfied. Mm -hmm. Now his wife has lost his hair. She's lost her health. Her immune system is shot. Uh, she's, you know, her, she had a radical mastectomy, but he's good because he never challenges his own presuppositions. But that was the case. You know, I thought it was always notable that Jesus asked the paralytic about this pool of Bethsaida, do you want to be healed? Mm -hmm. That sounds like a strange question. Of course you'd want to be healed, wouldn't you? Well, no, not if you've 
taking ownership of that victim status and thinking about it. Well, if you get healed, guess what? You're going to have to go out and get a job. You're not going to be able to beg anymore. (laughs) You're not going to be able to other people feed you while you lay around all day on a mat and feel sorry for yourself. So it's, it's really actually a fairly telling question. Yes, it is. And it's important that people understand that we're saved, not so that we'll have a nice day, that we're saved for service. And that's what really got my attention. And I really liked it when I went to the website, when it said, when you're sick, you're out of the game. That's exactly how I looked at it. It's like, um, I've had health issues in the past, but I wanted to make sure that I could still be operating. Now, if God chooses differently, then I accept that. But as much as it pertains to me, I want to be healthy so I stay in the game. Yeah. Now, one thing I would like to share with your audience, and that's the, the, the next book that will be probably coming out. And I've got Scott Allen Buss, who is known uh, by some uh, as the owner of the website Fire Breathing Christian. The title of the book will be Free to Leave, and that is the biblical doctrine of peaceful separation. Now, we're not talking about the Civil War and returning to antebellum slavery or anything like that. We're going to be talking about what is God's prescription for dealing with dysfunctional or intolerable, increasingly intolerable relations, whether that's in your local fellowship or whether in a domestic situation or with a civil arrangement like a political entity such as the United States. And that is the biblical doctrine of peaceful separation, or as some would refer to it as cultural sanctification. In other words, come out from among them and be separate. Leave peacefully. We're not seeking to overthrow anyone. The revolution is not indicated, but sanctification, departing, removing ourselves from intolerable evil. And uh, so that's going to be the next book. All right. Well, we're getting to the end of our time. There's one thing I wanted to kind of tweak people's interests on. I have a number of women who are very interested in becoming wives and mothers. And there's a certain amount of frustration in the fact that especially the women I'm in touch with are knowledgeable about the scriptures, are decidedly deliberate in their desire to serve God as he wants to be served. And so I sort of teamed up with Bill saying, you know, you go all around the country and you talk to all sorts of people. I am very interested as you find people who are interested in finding wives, because I have a number of young ladies and older ladies who are interested in starting families. And so, especially with the restrictions with lockdowns, conferences aren't happening. I would like people to consider the possibility of um, really examining what it is they want for their children, what they want for themselves, and that we would network, not with people, and not to replace, you know, the dating services online, but for serious people who are looking for serious people about wanting to start families to get in touch. I'm very interested in hearing from you. And Bill, as he does his travels spanning the U.S., we've been talking about him sharing with men he comes in contact with to find out that there are groups of people that the kingdom is first and then individual preferences might be second. Because when I talk to women who say they want to be married, I I make sure they examine themselves. What is it they want? What would not be something they wanted? And that 
I don't want to waste anybody's time because it's not like everybody needs a new Facebook friend. These people are serious about building up strong, godly families. No, I just had a call the other night from a, from a young man in his uh, early 30s. His wife abandoned him. He's a fine man, loves the Lord, kingdom-oriented, uh, desires to be desires to be in a marriage relationship with a, a godly kingdom-driven woman. Of course, he's been looking through Christian bingles and other sites online like that. And it, frankly, it's hit and miss because we know, sadly, Christianity comes in a lot of different flavors. Right. And, um, and, and, and so the odds of him, you know, meeting a woman who, who really understands the breadth of the gospel's implications for her life, that's coming, drawing from the evangelical well, that's not what you're likely to encounter. And so, uh, so yeah, there's opportunities. And if any, anybody wants to reach out to me, any males that want to reach out to me and, and, uh, and see if we can do that, I, I won't call it a matchmaking service. I'll just see it as an outworking of my ongoing networking ministry. Right. But, uh, certainly we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can to try to help you, uh, uncover God's providential provisions for your for your situation. I think we can trust the Holy Spirit to put people together. Well, Bill, thank you. Tell people how they can get a hold of you if they wish. Well, I'm on Facebook, and although I'm currently in exile for 30 days, a victim of the Great Purge, and I'm also on Gab.com. Gab is a Christian-run, Christian-owned website by uh, Andrew Torba who is uh, also they've been platformed by a, a, a Faith for All of Life brother uh, who's the unsung hero of the anti-censorship movement, uh, Rob Monster, who spoke at the Future of Christian Conference a few years ago. He's up in Seattle, and he is the one who's been replatforming a lot of these people who've lost their voice. He needs our prayers because he's under tremendous attack. But uh, the Gab.com is a unapologetically Christian platform that's that is um, uh, committed to, to censoring nothing except uh, unlawful behavior. My uh, email address is kingdomdriven at mail.com, or they can text me, they can send me a text message. My phone number is listed in my Facebook, and they can always text message me or just pick up the phone and let their fingers do the walking. <laughs> and I, I usually, usually have a phone in my ear. Yes. All right. Well, thanks. And I appreciate the time that you gave me. Listeners, if you would like to comment on this podcast or have any suggestions for future ones in terms of topics or guests, please feel free to contact me at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.